But we are currently, in, speaking of the series, we are in the middle of a series, um, and it is called Resolved. And Jesus was, was really firmly determined. It comes from a verse um, in Luke 9, which says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus set his face. You see, Jesus knew what he had to do, um, and he started making his plan to make that part happen. He began to create situations that he knew would lead him to the cross. So he set his face to Jerusalem because he was going to make all things new. On his journey, um, he encounters a Pharisee, it's to the passage that we have today. And a Pharisee, as many of you guys probably know, right, was a religious leader, was an expert in the law, and back in the time of Jesus. And if you met a Pharisee, you might, you know, it's not like you just, you know, you know, hated the Pharisees, right? It was, they were nice people as far as they, they were common people. They, um, they were committed to holy living. So that was, that's good, right? Things that were commendable, um, they were doing. Uh, they studied and went through extensive training um, as well. And uh, they were committed tithers to the church. So, you, you know, it's not so bad to have one or two in your, you know, in your synagogue. That'd be okay. Um, so they didn't mind having them for that. But, um, but Jesus does have um, some pretty harsh words for the Pharisees. And as Jesus does so well, he, um, he goes to the heart and he exposes the heart of the issue. He sees the pretending that the Pharisees are doing. And he sees how they are majoring on the minor things and missing the point about what it means to, to love God. Let's not dismiss them too quickly and just kind of go like I can do, like, oh, those Pharisees, and so that's not me. Um, we all have a bit of Pharisaicalism, if you want to call it like that, um, in us. And so um, listen as, uh, as we, re- we read, and um, we, I think we all have something here that we, could, that we all need to hear. So please open your Bibles to Luke 11, or you can follow along with me on the screen. It's already up there. Luke 11, 37 to 44 is where we're at. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Kids, did you you hear that part? You guys were listening, right? Jesus did not wash his hands before dinner. I'm just saying, I don't know. All right. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, But inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we ask that you would send your spirit to um, do the work on our heart that it needs. You're the great surgeon and a heart surgeon, and I just pray that you would transform our minds and our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Do any of you remember uh, your first date? 
Um, I remember my first date with Jen. Um, we met in the church youth group, of course, and um, I moved from Germ- Bitburg, Germany to Tampa, Florida when I was 16 years old. And, um, and so we were going on our first date, um, going to uh, her prom. And uh, so what do two teenagers do when they're getting ready for prom? Well, I don't know what she did or the other girls do, but I knew that I needed to do something with my time, and so I decided to wash and wax the car, because that's, that's what you do, right? And so I, I did that, and I, I got the armor all, and I did every you know, plastic part you could find on the car. Um, I, even, I even lifted up the hood and washed, wiped down the engine, you know, right? Because... <laughs> Yeah, okay. And um, so I did that, and I uh, put the air freshener on the mirror, right? And, you know, I mean, it was, it was, I, I, was, I was ready. Um, and, and, uh, and so after that, um, I, you know, got, I took a shower, yes, and I put on a tux. I found some deodorant in a back, back you know, drawer somewhere. And, um, and then we went, we went over to her, Jen's house, and, uh, and then we used uh, the BMW that they borrowed for, you know, um, that, you know, because... Yeah, all that work, you know, and then we just use another car. But I had to, I had to do something. Um, I actually have a picture of, of Jen and I going to prom. Um, so there we are. And so, yeah, oh, that's right. Who said that? That's right. <laughs> so um, right there at that particular time in my life, um, I wasn't, I mean, so, so when prom was good and, um, and we started to become, you know, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at that time. And then, and then, um, you know, um, well, how long do you think that lasted? I mean, we're still married, but I mean, <laughs> I meant then, you know, it was two months. It, it only lasted two months. I mean, because, well, you probably know the reason I had a lot of what? Jeez. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> A lot of growing up to do. I mean, you may know that from your own spouse, right? <laughs> that was your, okay. You know, but I'm still in process. I've still got a lot of growing up to do, but I was focused a little bit on the, the outside. I could wash a car. I could comb my hair at that time. I had a little more, right? Um, I, could, I could do those things okay. But as far as the character that she needed and the ability for me to love her as she needed to be loved was, you know, that, that needed a little bit of work. And, uh, and God's still working, as I said, on that. I really was majoring on the minors on a lot of that. Um, but uh, how much of our time, the time do we live, and you can take that down. Yeah. <laughs> so how much of the time do we live pretending, right? You know, just kind of getting ready for that, putting, working on the outside, waxing the car, you know, all the outside of things, and, and, and really um, putting on a good front for, for everybody to, to see. Um, we, we do make ourselves, um, we do make our, ourselves feel good about ourselves by different things like looking and taking care of our, our reputation, looking at, looking at our, our job titles or our, you know, simple as our hairstyles or keeping our house, you know, clean and manicured lawns and, you know, on all these things that we can, on the outside, you know, that we can look at, um, for the outward appearance that our family, you know, has it all together. Um, if you don't mind, that may be a little different. But, but really, we, we, do try to, we do try to put that persona um, in front. We do spend a lot of time on these kind of things. And these things are not necessarily wrong, right? Um, they're all good things. But if we put our trust in those things um, instead of um, you know, for our righteousness before God, that's where we get into the problem, right? If we put our trust in those outward things, that's where, we, that's where the problem comes in. And so the, the sermon in a sentence is that appearances can be deceiving, but not to Jesus, in our passage, Dr. Luke tells us about a Pharisee that invited Jesus to eat with him. We often find that Jesus is, 
you know, reclining and eating and, and having a theological discussion. Can you imagine that? I mean, I bet he wins most of them, right? You know, like, it's been pretty cool sitting down and having a little theological discussion with Jesus there. That would, I would just, that would be kind of fun. I wouldn't want to be the other, the other guy, you know, but, um, but when, um, but, but we find here that Jesus almost um, immediately, I, I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't say in the text, but it seems like he intentionally offended the Pharisee, like right off, right? By, by not doing a ceremonial cleansing that, um, that the Pharisees did. And it seems like he chose not to wash his hands before he ate um, just to do that. And so it had nothing to do with hygiene or, you know, washing your hands. So sorry, kids. Yes, your mom probably will still make you wash your hands before, before you eat, right? That's not, just because Jesus didn't do it this one time um, doesn't mean you don't have to do it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of flu. So you do, want to, you do want to stay away from that. <clears throat> it has consequences. <laughs> so anyway, all right. <laughs> See if you get that. Um, so you see, Moses had, had given God's law to his people, and they were to obey all of God's law, even the ceremonial laws um, that he gave. Um, but the Pharisees would tend to add to that law, right? They would add to it. Um, and that's what they were doing here. In fact, um, they added a lot to God's law. As you know, Jesus, though, what? Did Jesus sin? No, Jesus didn't sin, and so he wasn't sinning here by, by not washing his hands. Um, and he didn't break any of the laws that Moses gave. But he did, however, choose to break one of the laws that the Pharisees made up. Right? So they made it up. It was a rule that they put in place to help them stay pure from a sinful world. And it may have been even done with um, good intentions you know, to help keep them from, from sinning. But nonetheless, it was man-made. So Jesus started eating without washing his hands in, in the ceremonial way, and the Pharisee and those around him were astonished. They were like, what? What is Jesus doing? And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, this is what he said. Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Uh, last week, uh, Saturday, our... Uh, our kitchen sink plugged, you know, got, got, and uh, so we, we, I tried everything and it, that didn't work. And so we were like four days without, without, um, a, you know, a kitchen sink or a dishwasher. You know, I know first world problems, right? You know, four days without a dishwasher, but, but it affects, it affected us, you know, and so we, we had to get dishes clean somehow. And so uh, the next option was the tub. You guys may have a better idea, but we used the tub. And so I have a picture of Addie, you know, washing dishes, you know, in, 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 the, in the tub. She's got a few of those faces. So, um, and then Benjamin's right there. You can barely see him. But so I asked Benjamin to go do the dishes in the tub. And then the first question he said was, you mean like clean enough to eat off of? Like, yeah, like clean enough to eat off of. Yes, you know. I think he was just asking, am I just rinsing them or am I washing them to give them, you know, to be fair to him? But it still made me laugh because I was like, well, yes, clean enough so we can eat off them because we are going to be eating off of them. So, you, you know, yes, please go and do that. So we did, we did figure out how to do dishes that, um, and not in the sink or the uh, dishwasher, but in the tub. So, um, but on the surface, the kitchen, the kitchen sink looked fine. You know, um, it, it, it drained just a little, just enough that it looked fine. But we had big problems. We had big problems deep, deep down in, the, in, the, in our pipes. And uh, I tried, because I tried, I pulled, I pulled everything apart. I you know, threw the snake in there. I, you know, we, we had Drano, which I shouldn't have done because then I had Drano everywhere. It was just, it was a mess, right? Um, I needed to call uh, a professional. And, uh, and, that's, and that was the only way that we were getting that fixed. 
And uh, the same really here with the Pharisees, right? They had a problem, and it was, but it was deep, deep down. Uh, they too were concerned with the, the, that outward appearance and thinking that they could just kind of fix it themselves by, by polishing the top and kind of missing the real root problem that was in their heart. Jesus uses then the example of a dirty cup and dish. And as everyone knows, you got to clean the cup and the dish before um, inside and out before you use it, right? Because that's gross if you don't. Um, we don't you tend to eat from dirty dishes and drink from them, right? Um, and so uh, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever left coffee on your desk for like a day or, I don't know, a week or <laughs> longer? <laughs> Diana knows. But yeah, there, yeah, oh... You're not going to get that out of your head anytime soon. But, um, but yeah, and so like, it's not like you're going to take that and then what, pour, pour coffee in it and, you know, and just like, right? It just, that's, that's not what we do. Yeah, you can put that away too. Um, Jesus is actually, um, that, that's funny, but in the story, Jesus is actually sad. He's sad about the, the spiritual, spiritual condition of the Pharisee's heart. Right, so because their heart was a lot like that cup, it was full of nasty. So we can kind of laugh at it, but it's like it was really a, a true condition of of their heart and where it was at. And uh, and he he knows that they were more concerned about the outward, right? So they're they're just sitting here, you know, polishing the outside when they had a, a big root problem on the inside of just of the of the yuck. And Jesus then calls them fools. I mean, right? They are like that's the, you're you're a fool. Because you only wash the outside of their cup. Verse 40, it says, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? I mean, God made the outside and the inside, and he cares about what? He cares about, he cares about both. Both the outside and the inside do matter. And so man looks at the outside. In First Samuel, it says, Man looks on the outside appearance, but God looks on the, the heart. Right? He's looking on the inside. The Pharisees missed the point. Uh, they missed the point um, altogether. And so Jesus tells the Pharisees three woes. Woe, woe, woe. Who does that sound like? Stacy Schultz on, on a missions trip. Have you ever heard that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we doing here, Eric? Anyway, no, that's another issue. That's another story. Vol- ask her about the volcano sometimes since she, she wanted to speak up during my sermon. Um, so, but Jesus does say woe. And so in here, we do need to think about what does... And here, what does woe mean? It means sit up and listen, right? It means take notice. It's a warning. It's a warning to us all. So woe means, um, in the commentaries, it says, alas. I don't use that word either. I don't know. But, you know, alas. And so take it for if you do, then maybe you'll understand that. But another, part of, another way of saying it is also it has a, it has a part of it that's about regret and sorrow. Um, it's kind of like saying, oh, no. You know, and so that's, that's where it's coming at when Jesus is saying, woe. So the first, there's three of them. The first one is woe to hypocrisy, and then it's woe to pride, and also woe to affecting others. The first uh, is woe to hypocrisy. In verse 42, it says, but woe to you Pharisees, for, tithe, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You see, the Pharisees loved to tithe. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know why they loved to tithe, but, and they, but they did. And they also looked down on others uh, that did not. And they actually moved further than the tithe. They were tithing things that God did not even require them to tithe. 
Now, there's, it's actually good for us to tithe, you know, 10% of what God gives us. It, it is good for that. Tithing helps us remember that God's um, got us, that God will provide, that we're trusting him, um, and it, 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 it's good for us to do that. We're commanded to do that. It demonstrates that we trust God, and, um, and so, but here, sometimes writing the tithe check is actually, sometimes, you know, it's easier than doing the work of justice and mercy, isn't it? It's kind of like, you just kind of write the check, and that's kind of what the Pharisees were more, like, they were kind of, they were more like a Scrooge when it came to, after they gave their tithe, then, the, then you have the poor and the needy, and it's like, mm, can't help you, right? And then they, they come along, those that are, that are dealing with injustice, and it's like, can't help you. And so they were, they were kind of missing the point. They, were, they really just wanted the box to be checked, right? I don't know if you're like, I mean, we like the little boxes to get checked. And they were just kind of checking the box and kind of did that. And they really didn't have the heart of generosity. To quote um, one commentator, it says, The heart of hypocrisy is keeping the letter of the law in one or two minor areas of obedience, while at the same time neglecting the big things that matter more to God. And so neglecting the big things that matter more to God. Um, this shows up in my life, um, speaking of mission trips. Um, I personally participate in a lot of mission trips, and, and it's, it, it can look good on the outside of just in, in going and going into other countries and being generous, and I, I, I enjoy doing that. Where I can be neglectful is, is failing in my, even my generosity here, being a cheerful giver um, here in our church or to those in need, my neighbors, to getting involved in um, justice and mercy things in St. Louis, which is needed and um, needs more attention and for more voices to be, to be heard. How about you? Where does, it, where does it come up for you? Where does hypocrisy show up in your life? Does your inner life match that outer life that we, that we spend so much time working on? Um, do you tithe? It's actually good. It's part of our act of worship, um, so don't hear me saying that. Um, but what about having mercy um, in your family, to your kids, to your wife, to your husband? Uh, what, about, um, st- what about standing with the, the brokenhearted or um, dealing with messy relationships? And there's a lot of them. Is our love for God showing up in our lives? Is that part of that, you know, our love for him? And that's, that's the, the, the weightier matters. That is the, um, the things that God is, is, is looking at and, and really does want um, from us. So the second woe is to the woe of pride. It says, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. The Pharisees were very concerned with their reputations, Right? to be seen as important, to be seen as a valued member of the community. They love their reputations more, really, than their love for Jesus. Um, I know that uh, I can fail in this area as well, just caring, caring quite a bit about my reputation and what that is. Um, and the, the, the whole idea of, like, the, the favored seat, in a sense, the, you know, in the, in the synagogues, you know, um, it'd, be like, it'd be like, here's the, they, they actually would put them up front, you know, and so it'd be like, I should call Mallory up here, make her, you know, just, she's just so opposite of that, though. Um, <clears throat> but, right, it'd be somebody sitting there and, and in a sense, like, a, you know, agreeing and, and thinking more highly of, of, of everybody else, and just, in a sense, the, they were in the valued position and everybody knew it. Right? And they liked that everybody knew that they were, and they would sit and face the, face the audience and, and see and, uh, and just kind of in agreement with, you know, or not, you know, either way. But um, the kind of point is they, they, it was a big deal to them. 
And also, as they were talking about in here about the, um, the being greeted in public. And this isn't just like hello at the grocery store. This is more about the formal title, the formal greeting, acknowledging their, their position and, and their importance and their scholarliness, right? It's a little more of that. And so it'd be like um, next time that, that we meet in the grocery store and, and you'd be like, hello, most holy reverend Eric Van Zee. Yeah, you can laugh, right? That, more. But anyway, um, try and do it with a straight face. That, you know, that, that would be, that'd be hard to do, right? It's like we don't do that. And, but they, but they, were, they, were, they were wanting that. They, they needed that. They, they egged that. That was what they egged on. And um, Pastor Tom said, would it surprise you to learn that Jesus had very little patience for people who thought they were deeply religious, but in reality had no room for God in their hearts? That last part, that were deeply religious, but in reality had no room for God in their hearts. We need to ask ourselves that question, right? That's a good question for us to ask. Our pride can leave very little room for God. When people think that they can keep God's laws on their own, they're legalists. We can't keep God's law. Um, It's too perfect. We need Jesus. We need the Spirit to do the heart work. The heart work that is deep, deep down in our own clogged pipes. Or really our own clogged heart is really what it is. So the sin of pride, though, is, is hard because it's, it's an internal sin. It's hard to diagnose, and, and we often miss how prideful we really are. Um, pride shows up in our, in our motives. And what motives are, um, what are your motives for, for in what you do? And, that, and that's something to look at. Where do you really like the visible signs of your godliness, right? That, that people see it. Um, prideful motives can show up in all kinds of places, even just being a member of a certain, you know, Bible study or a certain group or being a, you know, a, a teacher or being um, the group of friends you're with or the, the where you serve or, right, all those things that, that potentially can be visible. And it's, it's, those things are good to do, but, but how is it that they show up visibly and people know and, and that's your motive for doing it? Right? So pride can, can come in real quick. Um, my daughter Kate likes to point out um, how much I like to break the rules um, when I'm driving. Uh, she, she found, <laughs> she likes to point out a lot right now, but, but she's, um, she's, she noticed that there's the traffic, like little, you know, the, I just lost it, the, what is it? Speed limit signs, thank you. Just wait gone. I don't even notice them, but she notices them now, right? And she's like, that says this and you're doing this. And she loves to point that out. And um, I, 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 she's not wrong. Um, she's right. I'm wrong. I break the law. I have a really hard time trying to justify it too. You know, I'm just like trying to justify it to her. Um, I mean, really, I just, I really just don't want to be late. Um, part of it is my pride of, I don't want to be late. And with a family on the go, with as busy as we are, I just, I mean, driving, you just, you know, and I like to drive fast, but that's a different, that's a different issue. But I, I, do, I do break the law on that, and it, it has to do with, it has, a lot of it has to do with pride. I just want to be on time. I want to get there on time, make sure it's on time. We have it all together. Our family has it together. We can do all this, you know. And um, yeah, she shows me that I can't. Um, but when we have that, that, humi- that true um, humility on the other side, um, when that starts to come through, then we're able to um, admit that we don't have it all together. In the sense, like when we are late, it's like our lives are a little bit of a mess, and that I don't have it all together. And when humility shows up like that, it shows up in places of like of where we um, are serving. 
And when you can serve without, you know, all the recognition, um, maybe in the nursery or, you know, when we do things in private, right, of like, of, of serving in private or you, you give in private or you're praying in private, um, those, that's, that's when humility, true humility is, is come in. And, uh, and then when you do things in public, it doesn't say that we don't ever like give in public or pray in public or write all those things, but it has to do with your motive. Again, it's not for your own glory, for your own credit, but for God's glory and for, and for who he is and giving God glory in that. The third, the third woe is, is woe to affecting others. Woe to you for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. Well, when I got to this one, it was kind of unusual. <clears throat> I was like, okay. Um, but, the, but we have to understand that the Jewish custom um, and what it was is that they would whitewash tombs um, so that people knew where the dead were buried. Again, you're like, so? Um, but, but here's the deal is if they accidentally touched um, a grave, then they would be ceremonially unclean. And that means then they can't go to church. They couldn't participate in worship. They couldn't uh, go to the Passover, those kind of things. And so they would become unclean. And so with that, um, that Jesus, though, has pretty strong and direct language for, for this woe. Uh, the Pharisees were so concerned with the external purity, and, but, and, but they were also encouraging others to follow them. And so, um, but what in actuality they were doing was to lead others to miss to miss the loving God, to miss who God is. You see, when we're like dead on the inside, all we can do is lead others to the same place that we are. So it's like leading others to, in a sense, to, you know, to death. And Jesus had strong words for people who were misleading people to a gospel that was not the gospel, to leading people that were leading people into, into legalism or into sin. And that's where his harsh words would come and, they would, and he'd be strong in that. The Pharisee, so the Pharisees were the king of the letter of the law, but totally missed the spirit of it. Do you kind of see how that's going on? Elsewhere in scripture, you see um, how strong Jesus takes it when we're leading others uh, um, astray, when you're causing other people to sin um, by your actions and by your, especially here like with teachers. Uh, in Matthew 18, it says, but whoever causes one of these little ones, talking about children, who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. He took it quite serious, um, quite very serious in that about leading others astray and causing them to sin. Jesus wants us to lead people, but he wants us to lead them to the gospel, which brings life. Not to legalism, which brings, which brings death. So one practical way um, that's helped me and when I'm looking at legalism or looking at my own heart is using um, the cross chart. Some of you guys may have seen this before. Um, it's, just a, it's a tool that has helped me as, as I have um, looked at it. And the way it works is, as you see um, going up on the axis, you see the arrow there. It's growing awareness of God's holiness as you read scripture, as you learn more about who God is, you see more and more of how holy God is, how beautiful he is, right? And then um, on the way, on the, this one going down, it's growing awareness of my flesh and sinfulness. Again, as you, as you read in scripture, as you learn more about your heart, you see more and more of how sinful you actually are. And, and the cross continues to, to grow. As, as those two things happen, you see more and more about how much Christ has done for you. You see more and more of his grace and his mercy and his love. 
And in a sense, it brings you to love him all the more in your heart because you see what he has done for you. And so this brings about that kind of attitude of heart work that brings about the kind of humility that, 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 that God is looking for here, right? Because it points us to Jesus. It points us to the cross. We see more and more of our need for him. And that need for him is, is, is really what the Pharisees missed. You know, they missed that they needed Jesus, you know, even in this. So um, Jack Miller gives a good quote that I like. It says, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. Right? You probably heard that, but cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. That's the down part, right? So you, that, that just, it just more and more. And the second part of the quote is, is, is super important. And you're more to love than you ever dared hope. And you are loved more than you ever dared hope. Right? And that's the gospel. And that's the gospel is, is exactly what they were missing. They were missing on what is on the inside. They're missing the most beautiful parts of it. And they were just trying to shine the outside of the cup. And everything on the inside was just, was just yuck. Um, I want to show you a familiar uh, clip. Uh, people were pretty astonished. It's a video clip, that is. Um, with this woman, uh, she was truly beautiful. But it was different than what people expected. And uh, it came from her heart and her voice. And some of you guys will recognize this. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. <laughs> okay. I dreamed a dream in time gone by. I didn't expect that, did you? Did you? No. Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on this show. When you stood there with that cheeky grin and said, I, I want to be like a lame page, everyone was laughing at you. No one is laughing now. That was stunning. An incredible performance. OK, moment of truth. Here's yes or no. The biggest yes I have ever given anybody. Amanda? Yes, definitely. That's brilliant. Amanda, you too! Susan Boyle, you can go back to the village with your head held high. It's three S's. <laughs> Yay! All right, well, we're not there. Um, 
I loved it when she's like walking off stage, right? That's, just the, that's the best part. I mean, as part, of our, as part of the neat part of their personality and who she is, I mean, it, it totally astonished them because that's not, what, that's not what they were expecting. They were judging the outside of, you know, I don't know, her appearance and her, you know, goofy or at least unpolished personality that she had, right? And yet, um, where it counted as far as what was, what was what her heart came through um, when, she, when she sang, and it, was, it truly was beautiful. And she really, for the show anyway, she majored on what she needed to for that, right? She got that, right? She just hit it out of the park. And it was amazing. This morning, um, just a question for all of us. What's going on inside your heart? Um, how have you been preoccupied with the external appearance of your life? Um, the first real question that comes up, is your faith real? I mean, that's the, that was for the Pharisee, right? Is your faith real? And so we should all ask that question. And you can put your faith and trust in Jesus. I mean, that is really the true heart in that, and to, to love God. Um, for others of us, it might just mean um, taking a good hard look at our inner life, right? Stopping and pausing and spend some time with the, the, the cross chart and looking at that and looking at our thought life and asking the Holy Spirit to, to convict us in the places that we need Jesus to clean, Right? And it's like the, the cup, right? We, we have places that we need Jesus to clean. Ask him for that. And let's do some repenting. Um, it's, it's good for us to do. You see, we all sin. And in the end, though, um, the Pharisees' um, self-righteousness is what disqualified them from the kingdom of God. Uh, remember that, right? It was their self-righteousness that disqualified them. Jesus, was, um, Jesus is the only one who can clean the inside of the cup. And he's the one that makes the inner life clean. Our job is to look to him and to trust in him for that cleaning. And he's the one. He's the one that gives us the righteousness. The gospel is freeing. Um, yes, there's conviction of sin. Um, he is the one that makes our inner life clean. And our job is to look to him, to trust him for that kind of cleaning. And he's the one that gives the righteousness. Um, Tim Keller has a quote that I'm going to put up, and it kind of sums up um, some of what, I mean, he just says it better, right? Uh, he, says, he says good things. Um, what we must do then to be saved, or what must we do to be saved? To find God, we must repent of the things we have done wrong. But if that's all you do, you may remain just an elder brother. To truly become a Christian, we must also repent of the reasons we ever did anything right. Pharisees only repent of their sins, but Christians repent for, every, for, for, the, for the very roots of their righteousness, too. And so I think that's very important for us to hear and uh, to remember that, of repenting for both. John Calvin prayed, I offer you my heart, Lord, promptly and sincerely. Let's pray. God, please continue to work on us from the inside out. We need you to show us our hypocrisy and our pride and the way that we are leading others astray. Help us to hear your warning to be more concerned with justice and loving you than our outward appearance. God, we think that you want our sacrifices and our works, but you want our hearts. You want us to have mercy. Help us love as you love. Help us to humbly care for the poor and the needy for the widow and for the orphan. Help us to stop waxing the outside of our cups and start looking at the work you are doing with inside us. In your name we pray. Amen.